Good morning. Just a few announcements today. Um, right after service, we'll be having a business meeting for members, so plan on staying for that. Also, um, there won't be any WANA or youth group this week uh, for Thanksgiving week. And any other announcements, go ahead and see the bulletin. I'm not sure. Check with your, your life group leaders. No prayer meeting on Wednesday. Um, Bruce, okay. Okay. All right. Um, check with your life group leaders as far as life groups this week. I'm thinking the pile group on Wednesday won't be meeting. I don't think the Thursday night group's going to meet. I'm not sure about Harold's group on Tuesday. Nope, probably not. Uh, Monday? Nope. Okay, my group is it tonight. <laughs> we will meet. Uh, so, uh, okay, let's uh, go ahead and stand for our uh, monthly verse. And he asked them, but who do you say I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. Mark eight twenty nine. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just uh, thank you for this time that we have. We thank you, Lord, for your many blessings that you give us each and every day. And Father, we just uh, pray that you would continue to um, just be here with us as we worship and praise you. And Father, we just thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Can everybody hear me okay? All right. So um, we, last week, we were in the book of Mark. We're going to just put a pause in there. So everybody just take that, uh, take a thumbtack or whatever you got to do, or just put, the, put a pause or put that up on your wall. We're going to pick that back up in January. We began talking about the kingdom of God coming, the kingdom of God coming. And, but we find ourselves in a unique season as we prepare for Advent, as we prepare for the coming of Christ next week. Uh, we've got a unique time today to learn about the power of thanksgiving, the power of thanksgiving. And I mean the word, the state of being in thanks. And let's see if we can get my slides up here, possibly. I'm hoping. We, I promise that we test it beforehand, and it works. Wait. Oh, there we go. Okay. So we're going to have a little fun in church today. Uh, we're going to have some fun in church. Did I hear a woo? There we go. A little fun in church. So, uh, so for today, I would like us to do, we're, we're going to do uh, some trivia. How many of you are good at trivia? Some of you? A few of you? Some of you are like, no? Okay. So here's our trivia. So uh, we're going to have, each answer is going to have three options. And so A equals number one. So if you want to go with number one or A, you're going to hold up the number one. Okay. If you're going to go with B, that's going to be the number two. So you're going to hold up a number Two, and if you're going to go for C, you got to hold up the number three, three, or some of you will do this, not this, this, okay? You dads know what I'm talking about, okay? So uh, here it is. You will see a series of questions asking who uh, we should thank for various things. It's your job to pick the correct answers, okay? Pick the correct answers. Here we go. Who do we have to thank or curse for the first smartphone? What do you guys think? Get those numbers up. What do you guys think? The first smartphone. And don't use your smartphones to answer these. That's cheating. Okay? If you said number two, you are correct. You said number two, you are correct. It was IBM. All right. Next up, which U.S. president do we have to thank for declaring Thanksgiving a national holiday? Get those fingers up. Let's see it. What do you guys think? 
who declared Thanksgiving a national holiday? If you said Abraham Lincoln, you are correct. All right? <laughs> I hear somebody say, that's awesome. Which people group do we have to thank for the invention of paper? The invention of paper. All right. If you said number three, you are correct. Number three, you are correct. All right. Which company should we thank for creating the first pumpkin spice latte? Oh, can I get an amen? Some of you have one right now in your hand. I can see it. All right. If you said Starbucks, you said two, you are correct. Okay, who should we thank for painting the Mona Lisa? The Mona Lisa. What do you think? Any art, art buffs in here? Art history? Leonardo, if you said number two, you are correct. Which Native American tribe should we thank for teaching the pilgrims to farm in the New World? All right, I see a lot. Okay, here we go. The number one, the Wampanoag. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Which country should we thank for coming up with fried chicken? And can I get an amen for this? Fried chicken, what do you guys think? Ooh, this is hotly debated, hotly debated. If you said Scotland, number three, you are correct. <laughs> there were a lot of shocked folks out there. Who do we have to thank for inventing American football? Anybody? American football, who should we, who should we thank for that? Get those numbers up, get those voting. All right, here we go. Walter Camp, that's number three. Okay, Reed Hastings. And Mark Randolph are the guys to thank for this popular video streaming service. What do you guys think? Popular video streaming service. Oh, there's a lot of confused looks here. Okay, let's see. What do you think? All right. If you said Netflix, you are correct. If you said Netflix, you are correct. Which store should we thank for sponsoring the first Thanksgiving Day Parade in 1920? All right. If you said Gimbals, you are correct. Okay. Hey guys, thanks for playing. Thanks for playing. And I promise that this has a point. See, I think a lot of us, a lot of us, we like, we kind of like to thank. We're thankful or we feel thankful for the things that we have, but we tend to forget who gave us those things, don't we? We tend to forget. And so when we're quizzed, we're like, I don't know. I just really like pumpkin spice lattes, right? Well, what I find is we have that same trouble as Christians. We forget that James 1.17 tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from who? God, right? And there's a danger as a Christian that we forget to thank the source of all the good things in our life, the source of all the good and perfect things in our life. And so today we want to look at Thanksgiving. We are going to be looking at the word literally Thanksgiving as a theme. We're going to trace it. We're going to do a sprint. Everybody got your running shoes on? We're going to do a sprint through the whole Bible and look at a few passages that give us an insight to the power and the importance of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving being to the Lord. Okay. Can we do that? You guys ready? All right. I think a lot of us, if you guys know the movie reference, are not using thanksgiving in the word in the way that we ought to be using it. We may not understand the word if you know that movie reference. All right. So thanksgiving, thanksgiving, we're going to define it as the act of offering thanks or being thankful, usually to God. It's often connected to provision, deliverance, or God's character, commonly associated in scripture with meals and worship. And so this, this is not new to Scripture as we begin to discuss the idea of thanksgiving. I don't know if you see there, 
I'm going to bring this up. Um, and I did a poor job putting this slide together, but Eucharista, Eucharista is the, that word literally Thanksgiving in Greek. Eucharista, some of you will recognize the Eucharist, right? So there's a connection there. Um, Hebrew, we got, I'm going to not pronounce it right, but Toda. And so we're going to jump then. Are you guys ready? Here we go. We're going to jump into Leviticus. Let's jump into Leviticus. And we want to look at Leviticus 7, 12 through 13. If you can't read it up on the slide, go ahead and grab your Bibles out. Leviticus 7, 12 through 13. And here's the thing about Thanksgiving. Literally being an attitude or a state of being in thanks, we know that it was incorporated into the sacrificial law system of the Old Testament, starting in Leviticus. And so I want to read here verses 12 through 13, Leviticus 7. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, everybody say thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the thanksgiving sacrifice unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil, with a sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving. He shall bring his offering with loaves of leavened bread. Why is this important to us? We need to see that even in the Old Testament, when God gave Israel the means for how to engage in right relationship with him uh, through the law, one of those incorporated being in a position of thanks. You could give the peace offering or the, the Thanksgiving offering anytime throughout the year, but there was an annual calendar. Anybody heard of the Feast of Weeks? Okay, it was built in annually that they would celebrate there. They would give an offering of thanksgiving to the Lord. And so there was an annual rhythm, sound familiar, of practicing thanks. Isn't that cool that we get to do that again, even still today? And if you practice the Feast of Weeks, um, then that's an annual. I think it's in, uh, in May this coming year. And it was in June this uh, previous year. And so the Feast of Weeks, they would practice this annually. Um, oh, spring, May 25th uh, through the 27th. They would give this offering of thanks also at different occasions. When something big happened in their life, they would stop and they would practice the sacrifice of thanksgiving. At the inauguration of the temple in 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles, when there were events that happened on a national level that they would, uh, that, that would evoke uh, a time of thanks or, or a thankfulness to the Lord, a praise of thanks, uh, would have been something like a successful conclusion of a military campaign we see in 1 Samuel eleven fifteen. The end of a famine or a pestilence. Anybody after COVID? Did you stop and you were like, thank you, Lord, that this is starting to be over, right? A time of thanks, practicing thanks for the end of a famine or pestilence. How many of you have stopped to thank the Lord that we came out of that rough season? How many of you have paused and practiced and thanked the Lord? Uh, confirmation of a candidate to the throne. We have that in 1 Kings first nine, uh, 1 Kings 1, 9, 19. Or a time of religious revival. If there was a time of religious revival, they would, they would practice that. On the, on the level uh, such as a harvest of first fruits is a farming community. When we get done harvesting those first fruits, who should we be praising? We should be praising the Lord. In fact, every paycheck, <laughs> amen, brothers and sisters, when you get that, should pause and say, thank the Lord that I was healthy enough to earn this. Thank the Lord that he gave me a, a position or a job. We say, thank you. So it was ingrained in the Old Testament of practicing thanks. That was a really quick run through, uh, but they could practice it anytime throughout the year. Uh, there was an established practice of thanks. 
Uh, David actually hired full-time thinkers. Can you imagine this job? Wouldn't it be cool? And I love getting up there with the praise team and just offering thanks to the Lord and singing, like using my talents. Can you imagine if it was your full-time job to do that? Isn't that cool? But it's, it's, it's to show in the Old Testament, this practice of thanks is deeply ingrained. It's very important for us with a walk in the Lord. We're going to continue to see that. If you turn to 2 Corinthians 4, 13 through 15, we're going to go ahead and read that. But we know in, in, from this passage that it's the natural product of receiving grace is thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving, right response to the grace that God has given us by paying the price for our sin on the cross is a response of thanksgiving. We, 2 Corinthians 4, 13 through 15 says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what, is, what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. He also believed, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus, amen, and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that, all, so that as grace extends to more and more people, what's, what's the purpose of grace here? What is it to lead us to? So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. It may increase thanksgiving. And so when we, we receive grace, what is that to produce in us? An attitude of thanksgiving. Guys, I have a conversation. Every once in a while, I'll ask, and you'll, I'll, when I see you around, I go, hey, how are you doing? And there's a select few of you that really get this principle. I'm looking at you, Andy, when I say, how are you doing? And he says, better than I ought. Better than I deserve. Better than I deserve. There's a guy who knows, right, that, man, I, I deserve probably wrath from God. All of us do because of our sin. But, man, thank you, God. We get to live in a position of thanks to the Lord for what he did by restoring us in right relationships. So grace produces thanks in us. Grace produces, if only toys during Christmas time would do that with kids, right? Like the idea is that it would produce thanks, but it's usually the opposite, right? Isn't it funny or interesting today that, that we have that? And so when we receive grace, there's this new thing called entitlement. It's an attitude of entitlement. That's not an attitude of thanksgiving. That's an, an attitude of, I, I deserve this. I should receive this. And so we, uh, we kind of forget that the natural product of receiving grace is thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. All right. Next, we're going to keep running through. You guys with me? Okay, Romans 1, 21 through 23. Lacking thanksgiving leads to darkness and sin. Leads to darkness and sin out of Romans 1, 21 through 23. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they, were, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. See, a lack of thanksgiving, did you know this, brothers and sisters, can lead to idolatry, can lead to idolatry. We talked about, or I alluded to that at the beginning, we tend to be excited for the things that we have instead of the source that it came from, okay? And so get, thanksgiving is a guard for our heart, and we're going to see that here soon, but lacking thanksgiving leads to darkness and sin, even idolatry is a symptom of not placing your thanks 
in the right place. And so the discipline, I'm going to call it a discipline of thanks, because how many of you just practice thanks naturally? Some of you? My kids don't. I had to teach them, right? I had to sit them down at the table. Every time they get something from someone, I had to say, hey, remember to say thank you. I had to train my kids. I have to train my own heart. That makes it a discipline of thanksgiving. It's a state of being. Sometimes it's a choice to sit down and think on the Lord and thank him. But the Bible tells us it's extremely crucial for us to have a thriving relationship with God. We've got to be living in thanks to him. Everybody say, thanksgiving be to the Lord. Okay, it's a good replacement for sarcasm and joking. Some of you need to hear this, amen? Okay, uh, let's, let's look at Ephesians 5, 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Let there be thanksgiving. Um, again, that attitude of gratefulness to the Lord. It's a state of being. It's a, discipl it's a discipline. I think about the, that word there, replace. It's, it's a replacement, but instead. Uh, so this idea of, and excuse my handwriting, of replace. This is an important principle in Scripture, and we're going to see it outlived here even more soon. But this idea that if we struggle with some type of sin, one of the prognoses in Scripture is to practice thanksgiving to the Lord. So if you struggle with addiction, the prognosis is to practice thanksgiving to the Lord. If you struggle with coarse joking here, then the, or if you struggle, and we're going to see here in a minute, with anxiety, with worry, with concern, what's the prognosis in Scripture? Practice thanksgiving in the Lord. Practice thanksgiving for the Lord. We have Paul's letters. Um, all over Paul's letters, what does he do? I give thanks to my God for you. So he thanks God for all of the different churches. And then here's Philippians 4. I would say probably when we look at Thanksgiving, this is the centerpiece of Scripture when we think about the power of thankfulness or thanksgiving in the Lord. It says, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be... Oh, that's hard, isn't it? I just want to pause there for a second. I want to think about that. Do not be anxious. How many of you can just stop being something? Any of you just told yourself, stop worrying? I used to have this student, and he was like, in the sick season, I'd be like, man, I get sick. He'd look at me, and he said, just choose not to be sick. And it was at that point I would take my shoe off and throw it at him. Because you can't just choose not to be sick, right? If I could choose that, that would be awesome. I, I feel like anxiousness, I'll never forget my dad, um, who's probably going to watch this, hey dad, I'm going to talk about you. Um, my dad is, is really big on worrying. He's like very anxious. He worried as a kid, we grew up, like that was our MO. We just knew dad was constantly worried or anxious about what was going on, what was going to happen. He was constantly worried. And as I became a believer in college, I remember we had this really hard conversation where I sat down with my dad and I was like, you know, I was, I know the Bible now, right? And, and I know truth. And so I sat down and I was like, dad, you just need to stop being anxious. And I thought he was going to just tear me in two, you know, like, he's like, stop being anxious. You can't just do that. How do you just stop worrying? How do you stop worrying about the people that you love? How do you stop worrying about bad things that happen? Because bad things do happen. Especially when you've had bad things happen to you or your family, how would you not continue to worry that those things are going to happen again? He looked at me like, Shane, you're nuts. 
I said, Dad, that's what the Bible says. And he, we got, I remember, we just got so, uh, so frustrated with each other after that conversation. And then I realized that he's right. You can't just stop worrying. You can't just stop being anxious. But what you can do is replace your worry and your anxiousness with thanksgiving. There's this idea of replacement. We don't just stop being something, but we have to replace it with something, don't we? Has ever heard? We don't. We don't just stop worshiping idols. I, we're, our hearts, according to Spurgeon, are idolatry factories. But we have to instead replace idolatry with the worship of God, don't we? We worship our way out of sin. We thanks giving our way out of anxiousness. That's what the principle here is. We as we do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Here's that replacement prayer and supplication with. Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what happens? This is incredible. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a guard of our peace. It's a guard of our hearts. Thanksgiving as a practice leads us back into peace. How many of you have something going on in your life that you're like, I need peace here because I am miserable. I've got something going on in my life that is overbearing, that is overwhelming. And it's really hard in those moments to choose Thanksgiving. We're going to see Paul's going to model this here at the end. I've got another passage here. Paul is going to model what it means to, to be practicing Thanksgiving, even when things are difficult. But what does it do? It guards our hearts and our minds. How many of you lay awake at night and you, you keep doing this, like, thinking through things? Where you, Man, I could have done this. I could have said this. I should have said this. I should have done better here. Or I should have. And you just get that spinning going on. What if instead you practiced thanks and maybe the peace of God would protect your heart at night? Instead of counting sheep, what if we were practicers of thanks? Let me give you a tool that I sometimes use. Um, when it talks about prayer and supplication here, prayer and supplication, let me just kind of underline or circle this. Prayer and supplication, there's this great tool called ACTS praying. Everybody say it with me, ACTS, A-C-T-S. Um, this is how I remember things, guys. I know it seems a little overkill sometimes, but this is how I uh, practice the discipline of prayer and thanks and prayer. I start with A, which is adoration. You guys know what adoration is? So when I go before the Lord and I begin to pray, I start with adoration. What is adoration? To adore, to praise the Lord. How many of you jump right into your prayer life with God and you begin with the list? Just hold on. Because sometimes, by the way, when we just come to the Lord with our list, what does that do? I think it ratchets up our anxiety, doesn't it? Because we come to the Lord and we just continue to have this long list of demands. And I'm not saying don't bring your supplications, your prayer to the Lord. But what I'm saying is don't start there. Start remembering who you're praying to. That's adoration. Start remembering that the God that you're praying to can actually answer the prayers that you're and the requests that you're making. So adoration, confession. So A C adoration confession. I'm a, let me write it out here. A C T S. So C is confession, and this is where we confess our sins. How many of you have regular practice of confessing your sins to the Lord? Sometimes you're like, God, I can't think of any, but I know they're there. Would you reveal them to me? There's a dangerous prayer. Confess your sins to the Lord. And then here comes the cool part, thanksgiving. So adoration, confession, and thanksgiving. 
I work through this when I pray. So I start with adoration. I begin to confess in light of who God is. And then I begin to thank the Lord. I begin to thank the Lord for the many things that he's given me and who he is and what he's done, the grace that he's bestowed on me. And it's a good practice. Why is Thanksgiving such an important practice? Because it reminds us. How many of you need a reminder of who God is continually? Because it's easy to walk out the doors of this church and totally forget, isn't it? Who you depend on. And so this practice of thanksgiving continually, even in our prayers, reminds us of who God is. So then adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Supplication. You guys know what supplication means? It's requests, right? It's requests. That's the last thing. Don't jump straight into it. Jump into it. Because then you can remember the power to who you're praying to. The power in God that you're praying to, that he has control over your situation. And so there's this peace that comes with this idea. Now I can pray for the things and the desires of my heart because I'm in line with who God is first. It's kind of a cool practice. I challenge you to practice acts prayer. Acts prayer. All right, let's continue on. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. You guys doing okay? All right. Keep hanging in there. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Walking in Christ is to abound in thanksgiving. And so, believer, if you're like, man, I'm in a dry season in my, in my relationship. A lot of authors will call this the valley. I, there's no irony in us being in a, in a valley. We call it the death valley when we drive through. Sometimes that's the hardest drive in the nation because it's it's a drag, isn't it? It's long and it's dry. Many of us are there in our relationship with God, aren't we? Where it's like this long, this long drive and it's dry with the Lord, but we keep practicing the disciplines. Well, we have this charge in Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 6. Let's read it. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding. Everybody say abounding. Abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. And so our walk with, Lord, with the Lord is to be flavored or seasoned with thanksgiving continually. And that gives us a thriving walk or a closeness with God that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise if we didn't practice thanksgiving as a discipline. It's a sure way to enjoyment of God. How many of you in your relationship, we talk about dryness in our relationship with God. We come to this place where like, man, I just don't enjoy the things of church that I used to. Anybody been there? It's a sure way to the enjoyment of God. Let's look at uh, Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. And do not get drunk, on, drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another. Here's the cool part, right? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns. We did that. We used both psalms and we used hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want you to see here this dynamic. You first have him talk about don't get, what, drunk with wine, but then he says be filled with the Spirit, right? Well, what does being filled with the Spirit look like? giving thanks always and for everything. So you go from this idea that there's like these drunken parties or these parties that there would be drunkenness in or that they, people would be getting drunk and they would be trying to find their joy. Do people try to find their joy there today? Yeah, but there's a replacement here. Do you guys see it? What's the replacement? 
A community of thanksgiving is on par with the same, with an immense more amount of enjoyment in the Lord instead of the drunkenness parties that we used to have and probably face the consequences afterwards, right? And so there's this replacement that our meetings are to be so overjoyed and rejoiceful. Uh, is that even a word? Rejoiceful? I'm getting excited. That we give thanks together as a community, when we come together and we sing these songs, it's supposed to fill us with the same kind of joy and enjoyment of God and one another, uh, with even more enjoyment that, that maybe even the world's means of enjoyment couldn't give us. Some of you find greater enjoyment in the things of this world. Here, this is a principle or a passage of saying, hey, get with a thanksgiving community that recognizes the Lord and gives thanks, and it'll be on the same par, if not more, enjoyable is what you used to enjoy. Um, by the way, I, I wrote uh, also on this is uh, the, well, I won't go into it here. Um, so 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, we're still running. You guys okay? Let me know if you need a water break. I don't want to lose you here, okay? We're sprinting, we're sprinting. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits' teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy for it is made holy by the word of God and of prayer. And so it's a cure for false religion. What you had at this time that Paul's trying to get Timothy to address is you have this false religion that's all about the practicing of these different laws and different rules to be right with God. And here he's saying, no, instead we should be practicing in this culture that we live in uh, thanksgiving doing things in the way that God would have us do, doing things that remembering the source. When you consider the source, by the way, are there some things here, let's kind of to address the elephant in the room when we look at this passage. Is God saying that you can go and do anything you want, but all things are good? What's the caveat? The source. Who's the source? See, you enjoy creation differently when you consider the source, don't you? When you consider the source, you want to utilize the good things that God has given us in his way, not in your way, because you want to remember the source that gave it to us and his desire for those good things that he gave to us, right? And so it's a cure for false religion. It's a cure for a lot of the misuses of the good things that God has given us. Are there a lot of abuses of those good things today? Can you think of some of the good things that God has given us that are abused? There's a lot, right? entertainment. I would even see the, the, the gender differences, right? Male, men get, being men and women being women. Like those are very beautiful and, and great things that God has given us, but our society is beginning to question those things. And he gave them to us so that we could bear his image or image to the world. But instead we began to, and, and uh, somebody said sex. Sex is, is very abused in today's culture, isn't it? Big time, but you know, that's a gift. It was a gift that God gave us so that man and woman would come and become one flesh and that would be beautiful. But now, even when I say the word sex, how many, you're like, can he say that in church? It has this negative connotation on it, doesn't it? It's supposed to be a good gift of the Lord if it's practiced 
the way that God gave it to us. Remember, consider the source. If we practice sex in the way that God made it between a man and a woman in marriage in a committed covenant relationship, oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's a cure for false religion. It gives the right attitude under strain. And here, this is where Paul leaves us in the book of Acts. If you guys remember, Acts 27, it picks up, where is Paul? Acts 27, starting verse 35 to 37. He's on a ship that's about ready to go down. He's about ready to be in a shipwreck. How many of you feel like you're in a shipwreck? I did this last weekend when we had two kiddos that were sick, and we have one bathroom that we're all trying to fight for, and, and we've got kids throwing up, and I just kind of was like, oh, man, I'm reading and studying for this passage. I'm like, Paul, I feel you here, man. I'm not in a shipwreck, but I am in a shipwreck, if you know what I mean. This feels like a wreck. And here's what Paul practices. When he's about to be shipwrecked, what does he do? He practices thanksgiving. And when he had said these things, he took bread and he gave, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. Did you pick that up? The tool that God gives us in suffering. And we've talked about this, haven't we, Christians? Believers, this life is not going to be easy. There's hardships. But when we choose, as Paul did, to practice thanksgiving, even in the hardest moments. What does it do to us? What does it do to us? It encourages us. It encourages us in multiple different ways, doesn't it? It encourages us that this suffering is for a purpose or for a reason. We know that, that there's going to be some God-designed purpose in it, and so it means something. We don't have, Christians don't suffer meaninglessly when we recognize that God is over this moment with us, and he's walking with us in it. But when we practice thanksgiving, it changes how we endure, doesn't it? It changes how we endure hardship and pain and suffering. So here's some homework for you. I want you to write this down. There are different psalms that are written in the book of Psalms. They're called Psalms of Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving Psalms. And one of my favorites is Psalm 118. So I want you to go this Thanksgiving with your family Maybe pull this psalm out and read it together. Psalm 118. And then for small groups, which sounds like just Myron's are meeting this week. Well, when you pick back up, uh, I want you, how can we practice Thanksgiving more often, not just once a year? How can we practice the art of being thankful to the Lord more often? And what does this change about how we live? I want you to ask those two questions in your life groups this coming week. How can we practice Thanksgiving more often? And what does this change about the way that we live? We're going to have a time. Uh, I'm going to go grab my guitar here in a minute, and I'm going to pray a song talking about counting every blessing that the Lord gives us. I want you to just maybe bow your heads, close your eyes, and I want you to practice an acts prayer right now where you're seated. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Let's just have a, a moment of quiet to practice this very thing with the Lord right now.